live with the best father and son team on the internet. It's time for Homie and the Dude. What is up, everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, the father and son TTRPG and MMA podcast. And we are delighted to be here with the legendary Cinder Block Sally, one of the OGs and absolute gangsters in the D&D and TTRPG world on YouTube. Cinderblock, Sally, how the F are you? I'm good. I'm good. What an intro. (laughs) I didn't know I was an OG. Oh, All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) For sure, dude. For sure. You've been creating some incredible content for uh, a good long while now. Now, I I wanted to ask because, you know, a lot of people get into our industry and our space because it's something that they love and then a hobby turns into, you know, some sort of creative outlet of some sorts. What was your kind of route to where you are and, and how did you find the style of your videos? Because it's, uh, it's, it's very unique, I guess I'd say. Well, a lot of it comes from laziness in terms of okay, the nice. style. A lot of it comes from, I, well, I decided I was gonna start making TikToks a little while ago because I was watching people that were making TikToks about comic books. And I was like, I could do that about D&D stuff and that would be easy, it'd be fun. But just talk about monsters for a little while. So for a while, I just was like, like we're going to talk about a monster. And uh, and I don't know how to do any video editing. I'm learning a little bit, but I know how to use the video editor in TikTok. And I'm thinking, all right, how do I make sure everybody stays paying attention to me for a minute? Because that's hard to do. Well, what if I just bounce my face around the screen in really extravagant ways every like four or five seconds? And that that was really where the idea came from was like, I have very few tools at my disposal, but I know that I need to be doing what I can to like maintain attention pretty actively the whole time and uh, i can churn out stuff about monsters pretty quickly so that's kind of where it started from dude that's awesome and i i think you know for me as well the 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 using the tools that you have to your disposal really resonates because you know we've been doing this for two years and when we first started you know our lighting setup was a desk lamp that we propped on some like (laughs) boxes that we stacked up and you know like you really just use in in those moments you become very resourceful and um i feel like it's also becoming a lost skill because you know if you look at for example you know movies and cinema and stuff because we have so many advanced tools that help us, it seems like we then rely on those and don't, you know, in, in some ways get resourceful, like they did back in like, you know, the eighties and things like that, where they were having to come up with new methods of how to do Mm, stuff and and invent ways of doing it. So I I really appreciated you saying that because that, that, that really, you know, sits, sits at home with us of just having, having to, work out how to do things and learning by failing on the, mm. on the go. Kind learning of. by failing is the, is the best way to learn. It's also a good way to like figure out how to make something genuinely good is mm. just to be very conscientious of what your limits are so that you know how to turn them from like a weakness into a strength. So like, for example, with my videos, I use the really crappy green screen that it comes on TikTok or YouTube mm. or all of that. And it's not a good green screen. Like it, it flickers <laughs> a lot. It's, it's like, so what I do for my videos is I just lean in. So I like pull my hair up so that it gets really big and crazy looking so that it very actively flickers. And uh, it's like, it's like, okay, this is going to be a little janky looking. So I can either fight against that janky 
or I can lean into that janky. And then you can turn it from something that's like, oh, this guy doesn't have any cool equipment to like, oh, it's his style. And yeah. you just got to, you know, you lean into the things that work a little sideways and suddenly it seems like it was a brilliant idea that you had all along. <laughs> I mean, dude, it I is, that. there is an that. element of brilliance in your idea because, okay, you're using the tools, but how many other people have thought about, you know what, I'm just going to have my head float around the screen and, and, that is kind of captivating like that is your signature at this point you know if, if i see a cinder short come up i you know first of all the the youtube whatever their version is of clipping out a, a thumbnail you're seeing your head to some degree somewhere on the on the screen and it just it is you that's your thing so i think that's pretty cool that you've used that but the, the other thing that you do really well is i mean you have kind of developed a persona and to me it's kind of like like you said, your hair is a little bit all over the place. Your voice is a little bit altered as well. Like there's, there's an element of, I don't know if it's like mad scientist mixed with like chill mixed with like, you know what I mean? Like what, yeah. what, what, what went around? How did you develop that, um, that persona that we're accustomed to now as well? I don't know where it started, but, but it is, um, I imagine that it's like an Eldridge, Jane Goodall, where it is some <laughs> other dimensional being that has come to the realm of man and is interested in people and interested in monsters and doesn't really have a lot of like personally at risk involved with them, but is going to like do what it can to like get a little bit involved. So it allows me to be very like judgmental in a way that I think is entertaining, but also, uh, always sort of from this attitude of like it's a little condescending but it is well intentioned and I think there's something very fun to a character that is a little condescending but also well intentioned um, it also yeah. allows me to just like talk about anything I want to as if it's real which is fun like uh, mm. you know when I talk whenever I'm talking about especially if it's like D&D &D monsters or ideas like that I, I very actively will sort of ride the line between we're just talking about a thing that exists down the street versus we're talking about like a way to play the game that you want to play, which also just makes it more fun for me. Because if every single video is just like, hey, here's 10 ways to do this mm. in D&D, &D, it starts to feel like you're uh, like you're soulless. And yeah. uh, there's, there's an element of like, I want everything to feel like even if I'm giving a piece of advice that like anybody could give, I still want it to feel like it's me. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's like a weird desperation to, to be unique. Yeah, <laughs> I don't <yeah>. know. <laughs> So let me just build, let me ask. So do you feel like this character, this persona is like an omniscient being that's like looking, looking and commenting, having some commentary on whatever the subject matter is that, that at that point um, you're offering up? Is that, is I that think they're you, and, about, I think they're about as omniscient as like somebody in like the Greek pantheon. So yeah. they're like semi omniscient. So I'm wrong a lot, you know? And like, I, I also just am wrong a lot. Um, and uh, but I don't I don't you know, I won't uh, if I, I'd like to be able to back up any ridiculous claims I make at least a little bit. So, for example, when I stream and I talk about this a lot on stream, I just tell people that I can speak every language, which yeah. is an absurd thing to say. <laughs> right? That's crazy. People talk. Nobody speaks every language. And I don't talk. I don't boast about it. It just comes up occasionally. And the thing is, I don't speak every language, but I speak like five or six words in a bunch of languages. So mm. I can do that thing where if it's like, I want to dismiss your comment, like I don't want to talk about it. I'm not trying to show off. I can sort of ride the line where maybe there is somebody that's watching 
out there in the world that genuinely thinks I can speak every language. And that, that is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thing. And I they're crazy, it. by the way. <laughs> I, I love it. I love the idea of, you know, having this persona that is that's looking at it from all these these different angles. Dude, I, I, I think it's a really interesting space in terms of also, you know, so you've got this persona that you, you know, I imagine have to, to some degree, like you said, getting your hair ready, get into character of. I mean, my hair kind of, listen, it does a lot of it on its own, you know, like this, <laughs> this is mostly all natural right here. It's mostly ready when you wake up in the morning, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I, I just want to wonder because like on our end, you know, we're, we're creating content where, you know, if I'm playing as a GM and doing D&D stuff, you know, I'm taking on my characters and, and doing all of that. But at the same time, you know, in the background of all of that, it's all the hours of prep that I put in, all the hours of planning that we as a team put into our streams and plot lines that we want to run and things like that. Um, I would love to know just because, you know, you're, you're making content about, you know, things that are in D&D. And now, unless you've been absorbing the books for a, an extremely long period of time, it's hard to know all of the various facts and things that you pull out in your videos and things that you do state, whether they're wild and untruthful or have a hint of honesty within them. I want to know a bit about one, your like schedule of like, do you do research and then plan out what videos you're going to make and then get to recording and then editing? Are you, you know, improvising more on the spot of like, cool, there's, here's some creatures I want to talk about and I'm going to improvise it and try and like, just get these bullet points in that I want to mention. Dude, he said he's lazy. And, 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 <laughs> and I want to know how many takes you're doing for these as well. Oh, like, that's a good like how, how, how often are you like cutting the camera so that you can like be like, Oh, there's a couple good lines in there. So I'll take those. And now I'm going to redo this next bit. Give me an idea of all of that, the, the technical stuff behind this yeah, amazing yeah, character sure. in the videos. Your creative process. Exactly. <laughs> <Share> with us. <laughs> Well, I have sort of a rhythm now that is feels like a machine that drives itself. So what I do these days is I go through and look for comments that are asking questions or give me an idea of something for a video or inspire something for me to look up. And uh, most of my videos now, at least at some point, is me uh, spotlighting a comment that someone has left on another video. So it does two things. One, it makes a, a certain amount of engagement because it now has a moment where like people are like, am I going to be in a video, which is like a fun thing. But also, I don't have to spend that much time thinking of ideas for videos. I spend a lot more time sifting through comments for ideas for videos. And that feels it is more it is easier a lot of the time than like starting from scratch. But um a lot of my ideas are just come from, I mean, I don't read the books religiously, but I did at a certain point in my life. Yeah. Um, and whenever a new book comes out, I, I give it at least one go through at the very least, like the new mechanics. I'm not always, I don't always read lore, but I'll read the new monsters. I'll look at the new magic items, new spells, that sort of thing. Yeah. And while I don't, I'm not, a, well, I, wouldn't, I don't claim to be a, a particularly clever person. I do have a very unusual memory specifically for like that sort of thing. Like mm. I know a lot of, if I read a monster stat block, I usually remember it for mm. a pretty long time. So um, when you say remember it, you mean like you're, you're down into the nitty gritty, like you can remember, like you have a photographic mem uh, memory? No, I don't think so. I, it's more like like maybe not for like every individual stat. But like if a monster has a unique ability and then I encounter that a unique ability somewhere else in the world or or somebody asks me about something that pertains to that unique ability, 
I will usually remember which monster has it to be like, hey, you should look at this. Or, hey, yeah. this, this is a thing that was already published that does this. Here's how it works here. Or like, right. oh, you are trying to beat up your paladin. Well, here's a good monster for beating up paladins because it has this specific thing. Yeah. Um, so no, I wouldn't call Dude, it encyclopedia. I wouldn't call it uh, photographic, but but it's like it's just like those little details of like unique game mechanics. Super super handy, like both as a GM and a player though, just mm -hmm. to to be able to draw on that that kind of like that wealth of you know pulling out that little bit of information and then linking it to a monster or whatever. And 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 a situation. Yeah, yeah. I it's it's, it's, it's it very situationally useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, do you, okay so are player. you more are you more DM or or player? I used to be more dungeon master, but these days I'm I'm I play in more games than I run. But I play way less than I used to. So I used to run like two or three games a week, pretty consistently. Mm. Um, now I'm running one game every other week, but I'm playing in a game. I'm playing two games. Uh, which is which is very different for me. Normally, I'm, I never get to be the player, um, but yeah, it's it's pretty useful as a player and as a dungeon master. I mean, sometimes it's a it's a it's, it's sometimes it's a, it's a headache because mm -hmm. what also happens is when I'm when I'm in player position, if a dungeon master and I don't I struggle being a D and D player. I don't like it that much because mm -hmm. I have very strong feelings about the way the rules should be interpreted when I'm running the game and when the person that is running the game uh, does it differently than me. I have to, even though I know the goal is fun and that we're all trying to have fun together and that <laughs> I shouldn't be backseat driving, I have to really bite my tongue to not be like, ah, uh, that's not how that works um, mm, yeah. a lot of the time. So I I have to, I have to like the dungeon, whatever dungeon master I'm playing with, I either need to be in a social situation where the people that I'm playing with and things that is, are going on are enough that it's like overloading distracting for i'm not really i don't really care that much about the specific minutia or the dungeon master like has very similar understanding of the rules and ways of expressing it that i that i do otherwise i find myself getting a little bit annoyed it's one of the main reasons why i don't like playing spellcasters i much prefer yeah. to play martial characters because there's way less room for interpretation of the things they can do if i if i want to know exactly what the things i can do are i don't want to have to be at the whim of someone else's interpretation every time I want to try something. And that's a lot easier to do if I'm a barbarian. Athletics is a really powerful skill. It can be used in a million different ways. And all those ways are pretty evident as opposed to like deciding, oh, can I use this spell to do this unusual thing or not? Or, or, or does the spell, how, how do you handle a charmed monster? Like when mm -hmm. someone is charmed by you, how close is that to mind control versus they're just your buddy? Like there's a lot of dungeon master space for interpretation that I think is really good for dungeon masters to have. But I think I've been a dungeon master long enough that my my feelings have gotten very strong about what mm -hmm. those things, what what feels right. And when it's not that, I, I have less fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's an interesting point about the whole interpreting things in different ways and how, you know, for, for me, what's interesting is I'm less worried about mechanics and minutia in that way when I when I'm a player like I, I'm, I'm like you can tell me to roll whatever like I, I, I'm not bothered if you want to tell me that I can't use my gust spell to do whatever that's that's fine, whatever. But for me, what bothers me is like the creativity like description parts like if a GM isn't describing something that I want to know more detail about or like, you know, by, by choice, maybe when you go to locations, they only describe, you know, a little bit of it and then are just like, cool, like play on. And 
to me, some of that stuff is like a, a bother for me. Like I, 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 I feel the same way that you do about the mechanics about that, where I'm like, but I don't know what this, like you, you just described, we walked in through a gate and now, and as far as I know, there's something here, something here, and then just a gray wall in front of me. Cause I don't know, I don't know what's past there. Do you know what I mean? And so I, I definitely have some, some stuff with that. So I think it's, it's, it, it's an interesting space because playing as a GM and as someone, you know, I'm, I'm sure as, as you said, you, you GM'd a lot and for myself the same when you do it a lot and you find a rhythm and you find also a style with your prayers like i i noticed that i do something as a player that not many other people do but it's because we do it around our table which is when i ask someone to make a check that's an opportunity for other players to have conversation and to like chime in while that person is like rolling their dice and mm. doing their math we kind of use that as a moment where it's like, oh, so, you know, I was just thinking this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I'll be like, we'll have that little RP. And then I'll be like, what was your role, by the way? And we'll, we'll yeah. you know, like, like that. That's really helpful during a stream as well because yeah. it, it fills dead air. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I've been doing that as a player recently. And I've noticed that, like, other people are like, huh? What? You know, kind <laughs> of thing. And I, and, and I was like, huh, that's, that's definitely just an us thing. You yeah. know, or that's definitely just a, you know, at least that I've encountered in us that yeah, we, yeah. we we do kind of thing. So isn't yeah, it weird? Do... You, you get so used to something being a part of your game and mm. then you play in someone else's game or vice versa. And you realize, Oh, that's not something that everyone does. And you have like those little moments of like, Oh, that was, that's really just a thing that we do at our table. Or I don't know. It's, it's one of those, I feel like that's an eye opening moment. I have a lot whenever I'm playing with the new people where it's like the double-edged sword of uh, of the TTRPG space where it's like the game is so open-ended in terms of how you actually run it. Like because there is no machine making sure that the rules are being interpreted as intended, there's so much space for you to do whatever you want. You just take things for granted that like, uh, it, you know, what it, you know what makes me think of it makes me think of like when you when when you're interacting with like a really little kid and mm. they just assume that like, well, everybody has, you know, a banana at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they have a banana at lunchtime or they assume that everybody has like a dog or, the, you know, my, my I have a nephew who's about to turn two and uh, we were at the beach as a family and we live in the city most of the time. So at the beach, you can really clearly see the sunset. And when he yeah. saw the sunset, it kind of freaked him out. And he was mm -hmm. like, where's sun go? Where's sun go? Because it's like you're watching this. Yeah. The sun melts, basically. <laughs> and. It became like a ritual of the of the time there was watching the sunset. And I was talking to my sister about this. And I, I wonder if he thinks the sun sets or he thinks the sun sets at the beach, you know? Mm, yeah. And it's That's a little bit too. like that. It, yeah, it's a little bit like that, like the with with the games that you play, especially if you pretty much just playing with like one group or one group of people. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> dude, 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 you're totally right. It's a, it's a very interesting space of like, I, I, I think it's just that, like, like you said, we all are in like bubbles, whether it be like, you know, social media or, you know, friendship groups or work or, you know, whatever it is, you're kind of in your bubble and it's insular and it's almost an echo chamber in of itself. And I think that kind of becomes D and D tables as well, because, you know, like you you end up doing similar things and you end up you know using similar mechanics because you then go off to branch off and you're like oh well oh this is how we do it this is how i know it so i'll just bring that to this you know kind of thing and it's definitely a 
it's an interesting space. You have to be a bit more of a chameleon as a player, I feel like. As a GM, you know, you can run, you can teach every group of players your style of GMing and and if they, you know, you can in some ways train them almost. Yeah, like almost like get them used to it and yeah. get them, you know, whether it suits them or not, that's another matter. But as a player, you kind of have to, if you're going from different table to table, you have to chameleon your way into like understanding what is like happening at this table and what are like the what are the lines and boundaries of creativity and and you know RP and combat and gore and you know like all this kind of stuff and trying to understand those areas. You know, you my know? favorite, my one of my favorite things. I'm not sure. I know it's been at a table that we've recently been at, but I really, really prefer it. So I'm I'm, a, I'm more of a player. Mm -hmm. um, so I this table that we played at, basically the DM initiates all checks. Like I don't know if it's a rule for them, mm. or or it's just the players are really passive and they let the DM do it. But what it does for me as a player is it just allows me to concentrate on RP. It just allows me to be in that space so that if um and then you know if I want to do some if I want to explore something I'm exploring it as the player not as Tom, the D&D guy, sit, the D&D player sitting at the table playing the player and, and using D&D rules while I'm being the player. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, totally. There's yeah, layers, yeah. right? There's layers of, like, of playing. And I like to stay in one layer more than most, which is I want to just be in character as much as I can. I feel you. I'm I'm very similar. I'm on a, I, I'm on a, I mean, one of the games I play in is an actual play. And uh, the guy who runs it, his name is Patrick Perini. Very, very good, very, very good, cool guy. Um, he has a pretty rich, complex world that we are exploring and getting to know. And all of the other characters have these pretty big backstories that involve different peoples and all sorts of journeys they've been on. My character has no background. My par I I'm playing a golem, basically. So I'm basically like a big robot that that at the beginning of the campaign, I basically stepped out of a box and I have like two or three little moments of memory before that, but mostly not. And I play and that's that is that is not only that is that how I play him, that is the amount of knowledge I had about the world going in where I as a player have learned about the world through the eyes of my character and almost all the other players know a lot more about the world than I do. Well, at this point it's a little bit equaled out, but certainly when we started and for a while, I, I didn't know anything because I, I didn't want to, because I like mm. having that experience of experiencing things as my character experiences them. Um, I think partly because I do have a tendency to get very meta if I know too much of what's going on, mm. just because I'm always like, Oh, that's a troll. Okay. We get acid or fire. And it's like, I, as a player, I just like, there's too many things that I just can think about like that. So any barriers I can put up, whether it's like through mechanics or the character that I'm playing, I like to lean into. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Stuff. So do you, have you had any, sorry, oh, sorry uh, any, um, like, you know, two year at, two-year-old at the beach with a sunset moments as the golem, you know, encountering something perhaps for the first time as that character and and then kind of sharing that with the rest of the players. Yeah. Um, so that my character, his name is Guard, um, and he's just a giant ceramic golem. He's sort of, I imagine him sort of looking like a Dark Souls villain, like this giant ceramic thing with like a little porcelain face. Mm. Um, and... Nice. Uh, he has like filigree on him, like 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 a lot of porcelain does, little ornate painting. And there was a 
a moment in the campaign where throughout the campaign, there have been like strange things happening in the woods and there's all, you know, there's lots of wild animals. It's very uh, tr uh, temperate rainforest-esque and geckos are all over the place. And hmm. at one point, my character um, sees a gecko up close and notices that the markings on its back are very similar to the filigree that are on my character's chassis. So there, there was a while where my character was just like, oh, I'm a, I'm a gecko. Like, that's what I am. That makes sense. <laughs> and he would, you know, so there, there was a while, you know, there was, there was a moment where he sort of questioned it. And he was like, oh, that's probably what it is. So he, he came back to the party being like, yeah, I'm a gecko, guys. That's what it is. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, I guess I am. I love that, dude. I love, and, and to me, I love that level of RP. It's why I appreciate you as a player so much because you, you lean into the, the not hero stuff just as much as the hero stuff. And I feel like, like, right, I, I, I'm going to say something bold because I, I also am a bit hypocritical in this because as a player, I struggle to, to get out of the meta sometimes. And uh, I would say to me as a GM, like min-maxing players, people who are trying to, you know, use the abilities and things that they have in ways to, in a weird way, break the game or be like, uh, in a weird way, more more powerful than a person of their level or a person of their stature or a person of their experiences would be for the amount of experience that they have really bothers me as a GM. And like, you know, um, what was interesting, we had some feedback literally the other day about Sky Zephyrs because we're, uh, we're in the playtest section. Mm -hmm. And someone the other day was like, well, I get more HP the more stations and parts I put on it. So I would just always make sure that I have all the stations and parts I could feasibly have on there based on like the, the maximum that you can have so that I can have more HP. And I was like, and, and I was like, you know, first of all, nice to meet you. I understand what type of player you are. Immediately. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I can, I can see you. I, I see you very much and I understand. And my, my like, first of all, one, thank you for the feedback that, that thing. But I think for me as a gem, when I look at that, I'm like, isn't that like in a weird way, like, isn't that sad? Like that you're like, your immediate reaction is how can I get the like the greatest, most powerful? And I'm, and rather than like, why not start off with like a junker and grow with this thing and like learn and like add and grow and like, you know, have this, you know, role play, like almost character development experience where, you know, maybe you don't start with all, all the stations and parts that you can have. And then you add them as you go, because it makes sense as you're collecting levels and gear and abilities yeah. that your ship would also do so. So for me, like that's, it's a really interesting space that people get into where, you know, I very much live on the side of like, make mistakes, characters make mistakes, you're not going to know everything, the characters, you know, have to be just as bad as they are good, because all people are like that. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I, think, I mean, that, that's also like, you, you can't, you can't, it's so easy to lose the heart of the game if you just turn it into numbers. That's like, what it is. Yeah. Like, I would like, like, have you ever seen a, a game any TTRPG game that had a financial economic system that worked like that wasn't totally <laughs> breakable because of yeah. you accidentally made one thing a little bit too expensive, or a little bit too cheap that like a player could just be like, Oh, you know what? Let's just do this for three weeks and then have all the money in the game. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. you can't, that, that's not how any, you know, there's like, you have to, at a certain point you have to let the fiction, uh, 
the fiction guide you. Otherwise, it really just you're playing Skyrim. And and I don't know, <laughs> yeah. like that might be a lot of fun for the players. But I, I as a dungeon master, that would drive me up the wall. Yeah, yeah. dude, I, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> Let me differentiate, though, because there, there's a difference between min-maxers and maybe that being annoying and how incredibly appreciative you are and enjoyable it is when, as a DM, you find someone that does something super creative. You know, they pull together a couple different things or yeah. a spell is being used in a way that really, like, technically, is it supposed to be used that way or not? But it's so fucking creative that the way they've done it, that just blows your mind as it's, well. In a, you know, like Emily Axford, basically. Like, yeah, ex exactly. It's a fine line of, like, getting that whole space of going, right, okay, so I'm going to use the abilities that I have to my thing, not to be the best, but instead to tell the story in the most interesting way. Yeah. And I think that's that's the bit that that is the disconnect for I think me and and some 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 other people that I, that ex experience that. I think it's okay to mm. min max even a little bit like mm. to try to make your character the best at something just make it a part of the fiction. Like yes. the only time yeah. that it really bothers me is when you lose the character for the gimmick. Like yeah. if you want to lean it like you know, if somebody wants to go, you know, barbarian, paladin, monk, and they have some crazy idea of some weird build where they're going to be, you know, unarmed, smiting and raging and all sorts of crazy stuff. If if you have a character idea for that and you are invested in that character and the other players' characters, then I don't care. Like, that's yeah. cool. What I care about is when the only thing that you're invested in is like that build, especially if that yeah. build does like one thing. Um, also, I would for anyone listening, don't don't do a multi-class build that requires three classes unless you're <laughs> really, really sure that you're gonna have fun before you accomplish the whole Anything. thing. Yeah, yeah. So many, yeah. I get so many questions, man. So many people reach out to me and they're like, hey, how do I make? And then they'll list like three crazy things. And it's like, well, I guess you could do that by level 10, but like mm. Is that going to be fun before then is like the question you need to ask, because most campaigns don't get to level 10. You know, mm -hmm. I, I spend a lot of time working with people on like their homebrew. They they design new subclasses, monsters, whatever. And there is this thing that I talk about where it's much more important that your low level features are balanced than your high level features and that your low level features are doing a lot of the legwork to like sell the fiction of the thing, because yeah. That subclass feature that you get at first or second or third level, you are going to be using so much more than whatever the capstone is you get at 14th level. Even if that 14th level capstone or whatever is 15th level, whatever, is going to be awesome, you're going to get to use that a couple sessions, maybe. Mm. You most likely aren't going to get to use it. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those Dude, things. And I, yeah, That's uh, such it, a great point. Interesting. Such a great point. The weird world we live in. Everybody wants to be... The big, cool, exciting thing. The mm. key is how do you figure? How do you get excited to be that thing before it is that thing, and then become it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's also it, it's it's a societal thing of where everyone's looking for immediate gratification nowadays. It's why you know Marvel movies these days are cheap jokes and you know ridiculous like epic CGI fight scenes because 
you know, it, it just that easy, like, you know, intake of, of stuff. It's, it's endorphin hits. I was going to say, you don't want to have to sit through a movie where you've got to write out like dialogue scenes. Like, I pe- mean, pe- I do. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, people, oh, no, I, I mean, people generally like us, we're, we're very much those people of like, we want to sit in like hear dialogue about nothing because that's the two characters. That's the character showing us who they are. Yeah, I don't mind the slow burn. You know, yeah, me too. And so I think it's, for some people, it's very hard to not just be like the most awesome hero of the land. And they hope to, you know, play in a level 15 one shot where they're demigods, you know, and they're they're making their way up into being super badasses. Do you remember you did that one live stream where you were level 20s? Everyone was level 20s. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's just, just, it was just stupid. It, it was a one shot, of course. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like also D&D loses its value kind of at that point. You're not like at that point, if you unless the campaign is you are like a Kratos character going to murder all the other gods and you're like, you know, a level 20, like, it feels like it's hard to create, like, ups and downs in that story <laughs> when you're so up here. It's so yeah. hard, you know? Yeah, it's hard for everybody. I mean, uh, you said you ran a level 21 shot. I've, I've, I, no, we, were, I we were in it. We, we were, were in, in it. Players. Like, how yeah, long did a round of combat, like, how, like, a round of combat in a 20, even with like four or five people, a single round of combat takes so long, especially if you yeah. have anybody doing any sort of spell casting. It's like, all right, let me just figure out how I'm going to break reality for uh, 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it gets a little and, and- hectic. I'll use my sorcerer sorcery points to fucking twin spell, do two of them, and like say, oh, I'm going to use my attack. Then I'm gonna use my bonus action attack. Then I'm gonna use my extra, my two extra attacks. Then I'm gonna use my my extra, extra, extra attack that I saved up from a, a, a fucking item that I. It's just like, whoa, this is way. I'm gonna too reroll much. this attack. Now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait. I have an ability that allows me to reroll that one second. Ah, oh, don't. It gets wild, dude. It gets. I wild. think. I think that the high level play in D like, I think that high level D and D play still very much sits in the classic old school sort of war gamer type of play mm-hmm. that D has its origins in where like if it's it's just a numbers game like like you are playing battleship with with mad science and stuff and uh or, you, you know like a lot like uh, a lot of the stuff that's more popular in it now especially the more role play and story stuff and it's like you know you're not expected to have a character die every session or you know you're not trick you're not uh xp is not measured by how much loot you get or anything like that but um in when you get to those higher levels it kind of has to become that ridiculous battle game again because mm-hmm. that is just the direction that it, it reaches a level of complicated both in terms of the things you can do and then the things as a dungeon master you need to do to deal with the things players can do that it 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 becomes that level of like, okay, we are now in the weeds of the nitty gritty <laughs> in a way where it's like a lot of early level play. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm just like, you know, I'm Joe Schmo, banana pants. And, uh, you know, I miss my mom and I have this pet cat and I like punching stuff. And it's like, it doesn't need to be much more than that for like, you know, 10 yeah. levels. <laughs> I agree. I, dude, it's, it, you're so right. You're so right, dude. And, uh, that 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 when you get up into those upper levels for me as well i find this i would rather play a level like a level three campaign where we stay somewhere between level three and level 10 the whole time Hmm. and never get kind of past that because as a player as well there's so many freaking options and just trying to remember 
like even even using D&D Beyond or, or like any other VTT where you have all the tools in front of you, you have your full character sheet and everything, having to like flick between three pages of shit to find like, oh, my my one racial feature is this. Oh, my my, you know, class feature is that. Oh, I have spells. I have a list of 30 spells at this point because I can prepare freaking everything and I've got ninth level spells. It just gets it gets way too hard to like you said you get lost in the weeds you start just you start forgetting about story because you're just overwhelmed by how much shit you can do at that point you know the other thing I mean, yeah. the other thing is that people play for different reasons like we totally. you know totally. taking it back to our, our skies efforts feedback totally you can tell that you know certain people are very very much into the detail like that's mm. their vibe that's what they that's the reason they play D&D whether they're a numbers person or just really want to get super crunchy and that's fine you know that's fine you, if you can find a table of people like that then that is going to be that's going to give everyone the enjoyment yeah. that they want i think where it gets tricky is if you have like an outlier in a group so you have a cruncher in a you know in an rp group where you have you an know, rp person in a cruncher crunch group, group. yeah, yeah exactly. then, it, then it gets a little bit you know it can get a little bit disjointed that way i agree with that i wanted to circle back to something yeah um so you you, you said that you offer a lot of advice for people that are have that you know whether it's a homebrew or just questions about you know putting together a character and this that and the other thing and that comes typically through your long form your streaming stuff that you're you know you're kind of interacting in a little bit more of a an extended detailed way than you would on a one minute YouTube short. For sure. Yeah. Um, how are you balancing that? Because I think there's a couple considerations. One, I'm not. I don't even understand the monetization side of short monetization versus long form monetization on YouTube. But my understanding is, it isn't quite as rewarding on the short side. The formula isn't quite as rewarding on the short side. I might be wrong, but that's kind of what I've heard, like just through reading stuff. But beyond that, like, how are you balancing your time when you look at this? Not just as something that you love doing, but as you know, this is something that I'd like to do as far as it'll take me, as far as a you know the C career word or the you know the I'd like to make money on this as well. How dare mm -hmm. I? You know that that type of consideration. For sure. Um, so shorts don't make a lot of money, um, but yeah. what they do is they are great for discoverability. Yeah. And I think that if you are someone that is trying to be a content creator, as much as for exposure is like not a reason to do work and you want to get paid for everything you do, if you're doing it on your own, it's a silly thing not to lean into just because more people are going to find you through shorts, whether that's on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram mm -hmm. reels than they are on anything else tenfold. And different things work a little bit different on different platforms, and some of them are more consistent than others. But if you are if you are somewhat regularly getting decent views, you will make a tiny bit of money on shorts, but you will grow with enough uh, force that you can kind of push that energy in other places. Um, with like the long form content, I'm not good at making long form videos because I'm a really slow editor. So mm -hmm. I put out long form videos like maybe once a month. I'm trying to do more. I actually just put one out this morning. Um, but um, most of the other stuff that I do is streaming. And with the streaming, for me, I used to think it was a numbers game, but it really doesn't feel like it is. It's almost the opposite of shorts where 
in my experience, what you need to start to gain some amount of success in streaming is not a lot of numbers. It's just a really devoted following. Like mm -hmm. you just need a really close knit tight community. You need you need people to feel like you are genuinely trying to build community for them and genuinely trying to hold space for them. And if somebody feels like that, they show up a lot more and they definitely support more. Um, and it's uh, it's surprising, I think, how willing people are to throw you some coin or to, you know, just to try to like rep you out in the world um, once you accomplish that feeling of like building a community or or just making a space that people can feel like they can participate. Most of my streaming is very laser focused on engaging with community stuff. It's almost always I'm doing a call in show. People are sending me things that they wrote that I'm reviewing or or we're, you know, we're answering questions or we're 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 working together to try to find something. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it the only reason why it works and it, and the streaming, even though I have, you know, I'm you know, if I if I on average get 20,000 views on a short um, on average, I probably have 60 people that watch a stream like at any mm -hmm. given time. Um, I don't know how much it ends up being overall, but like with that big a number difference, I'm making more you make I make more money on streaming than I do on the shorts. Mm -hmm. And it really just comes down to uh, I think people want to support when they feel like that you they're helping you like build something that they can really touch and mm -hmm. be a part of. And I also think that I'm in a weird spot right now where um like I definitely am doing all right, but I'm not a huge creator. So I'm it's reason like people are always surprised if they join my discord that like I'm in the discord um, mm. or people, you know, they're usually a little bit surprised that if I'm doing a call in show, they can just call in and then they're talking to me. Um, there's there's very little barrier to entry to uh, for me to engage with people. And I think that the more that somebody can do that, the more that they can find ways to comfortably connect with the audience whether that is personally or through more of a character um pe people really respond to that really respond to that. it's not a it's not good for it's not great for numbers in terms of, in terms of getting more followers but it is great in terms of getting that devotion and i do think that for anybody that wants to do this thing professionally if you're not a crazy good dancer or like have like a slugs in your brain and you can just make garbage all the time um you need that devoted community yeah I, do you know what is interesting? We, so we've been doing all of our stuff for a while now. And with the TTRPG stuff, we've had a less consistent following than actually with the thing that we do far less, which is once a month, we do a UFC live stream where we, cause Tom and I love MMA and we love mixed martial arts and have been watching it. You know, I used to do martial arts and we've been watching it since I was, you know, very little together. And, um, we do like a live commentary on on that and we have the most consistent audio uh, audience base yeah. of regular people that keep coming back and we we say to ourselves we're like why the f do they keep coming what are they seeing like <laughs> like what in the hell are they like it is literally them watching people... us watch the ufc yeah. <laughs> and then we're <laughs> <laughs> and we're chatting shit. and on top of all of that you know we're chatting shit. it's the uk so it's three in the morning here for us and we're tired as ass usually it's a saturday so i've been out with my friends drinking so i'm drunk and a, and a bit of a nightmare and we're 
we're all like i like i don't know what they see but mm. we we have this consistent audience base and i'll tell you what like tom and i have circled the drain of should we stop the ufc stream so we can have more free weekends to allow us to you know recoup energy so we can put it into more of the ttrpg stuff and mm -hmm. the amount of times that we've gone around and gone ah but you know one we'd be watching them together anyway and two it's like those people do enjoy it and we enjoy yeah. talking to those people at this point like we we love checking in with you know oh we know this person's going to university soon hey how's university going as, as you've now started university and like checking in with our audience and i yeah. think that's it's something that we've grown to really appreciate over the time that we've done it i think but i think cinder's point is interesting like you know and i don't know if i've thought about this much but when you think about like the community we've built the ufc community that's a community like we have a community in ttrpg but it's different platforms mostly in our discord um, we just had this Kickstarter, so there's people that really engage with us on this Kickstarter about the content, but, you know, I consider them now coming into our community, getting to talk to us through whether it's texting or email or comments on the Kickstarter or whatever, and there is, there's definitely food for thought in us maybe doing some more streaming, mm -hmm. you know, like some, you know, like, like you said, like, your stuff is really engaging. You're absolutely, like... And I'm curious about your call-in shows. Do you ever get any like spammy stuff on call-in? Oh shows? yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm not listening. Uh, I think I've gotten I've had to, I've had to hang up slash ban people very quickly, like three or four times. In an ideal situation, I would uh, I would have like uh, you know uh, what's the word uh, like a, a like mo mods come in and like sort of uh, you know go through and make sure there's no, no, no funny business. And sometimes <laughs> I have a mod or two available to do that, but you know I'm not paying these people. So it's like, uh, you know, if they want to, they can. But uh, but I feel like it's not fair. I don't feel comfortable being like, hey, guys that already like give a lot of their free time to like moderating this community. Do you guys want to like commit three hours now to like uh, screening phone calls? Um, mm -hmm. I do think that at a certain point I will need to do that in a way where it's mm -hmm. like, OK, we got to figure out a system here. Um, but um, usually I put up uh, like little barriers to entry can go a long way to prevent people from uh from uh trying to like mess with you um like so for example i used to do i've done call-in shows before where i had literally a phone number that you called mm -hmm. and while i loved that idea so much from a perspective of like that's just fun like it's cool mm -hmm. you can just pick up a phone and call it was there was too easy so you could it was like it was like it, anybody could call in now usually i do it through my discord so if you really want to get on the show you have to figure out how to get into my discord. You have to be someone that uses discord. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then you're like in discord waiting rooms with other people that are in the community. And, you know, usually you can like look at someone's name and if you don't know who they are, if they have no information on them, you can be like, all right, this person might be, we gotta like be, we, you can be on, you can be prepared. Mm -hmm. Like if you're quick on the draw, nobody can really do anything. Cause you just hang up on them really quickly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a little bit of the Wild West sometimes, but I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there's a, you know, it's a part of the world. You know, we, we people be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you this, because um, are you using the like uh, the Discord stage channels or what, whatever no. it's called? The well, no. How are you doing the how are you doing the call in and having people view it? Are you then like making I, it so that when usually what I so it, every, yeah, everything I do is stuff that I have seen people do that are other streamers i don't know if it's the right way to do it it's just i've seen other people do it so like for example 
I built my Discord around uh, there's a streamer called Cardboard Cowboy. Uh, mm. He's a Twitch streamer. Very, very talented guy. His streams are kind of otherworldly and amazing looking where he basically has created sort of a live action cartoon that he exists within. Um, it's incredibly well done. It's the kind of thing where you're watching it and you're like, you have to remind yourself that it's a stream sometimes because there's like yeah. music videos and stuff where it's like, it's very cool. Um, but, uh, but I basically organized my discord from like, uh, how should I set up the rules? How should I set up roles? That sort of thing yeah. based off of his. Cause I was like, All right, that guy's figured it out. And then yeah. there are a bunch of streamers that do call in shows. Most of them I feel like are more like on the e-girl side of things where they do like call in <laughs> dating shows. Um, <laughs> But but some of them are like, you know, they're huge streamers and they'll have like thousands of people watching. And the way that most of them do it is that you will have a chat room that you are in and then you will have a more you'll have it's private and you'll have an open chat room that people can go in as guests. Or maybe you'll have a like mm -hmm. tiered open chat room. So it's like, you know, the waiting room kind of filter through. And then when when you're somebody's coming on, um, you pull them into the private chat room. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Let me let me ask you this: Are you keeping everyone muted in the in the like green room chat room, or are no, you just letting care. that chaos fucking? No, I can, they can do whatever they want. I don't care. The thing is, it's I don't have I don't have that wild of a community, and I have an active enough community that if if there was ever an issue, if there I don't think it's ever happened, but if there ever was an issue where like somebody came in and was just like screaming and be, being like just like obnoxious, very quickly a mod would just ban them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it would be yeah. a huge huge concern yeah that makes sense so you're you're this is all happening on discord but you're mm -hmm. streaming to is it just youtube or are you streaming to youtube like you multi-streaming just right i'm just streaming to youtube right now twitch i think that if you are uh if you're making money on twitch you can't dual stream they don't like that um yeah, yeah i don't i don't I, I don't remember what oh. tier it is but basically if you are if if you're if you're of a certain tier, which is not a hard tier to get, it's like the basic one. The um, yeah, the if you're an affiliate and you're making money, uh, you're not supposed to restream. So I'm only streaming on YouTube right now, uh, partially because of that, but also just because I have so many, so much larger following on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But I would be down, you know, if, if, if in the right circumstances, I could see myself switching back to Twitch, but there would need to be like, a, there would need to be some incentive to do so because. I sort of feel like I'm on a train that's moving in a direction at the time being, you know? Yeah, totally. There's, there's, there is that, that consideration. Like, you know, we, are, we have our handle, homie and the dude, across the fucking, the universe of social media platforms. And, you know, you only have a limited amount of resources. And at some point you have to, you know, select. You have to select which ones you want to cultivate because each one has its different style. It's different idios idiosyncrasies. It's different, different audience. Different audiences, all of that stuff. and. You can't be all things to all people and you cannot invest in all of those platforms. And you, if you look at most, even if they're super, super, super popular on YouTube, most content creators, you look at their like, I don't know, their Twitter account. They've got 1,200 people on Twitter, but they've got, you know, 300,000 subs on YouTube. It's so, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it is a thing that we have had to learn. We're learning right now, which is, all right, what platform do we want to commit to? And committing to that one is, you know, understanding the formula of that platform, trying to be as friendly with that algorithm as possible, but then also kind of throwing, chucking some stuff out there to the other platforms just to keep the, you know, kind of keep the wheel turning on those other platforms. But it has been a, a learning process for us where we didn't, you know, 
I guess it would have been, it seems like you landed in YouTube and dude, it was like pretty immediate. Like I, I, I might be wrong. You tell me about it. Like, it feels like you started throwing up shorts and you started cultivating an audience pretty quickly and your numbers started growing pretty quickly. Is that the case? Or do you feel like there was a period of time um, where you were? I had like, I don't know, four to six months that nothing really happened. Mm, yeah. Um, I started, I started on TikTok. And I was on TikTok for maybe four or five months before anything happened with that. And even then, that was like a pretty slow burn. And when I started doing stuff on YouTube, it was entirely because YouTube shorts, YouTube shorts would pay you, which TikTok, well, I wasn't, I, I'm still not really good at getting monetized on TikTok. Um, but, um, and my initial goal with TikTok with YouTube was I just need to get to the bare minimum to get my channel monetized. That was my initial yeah. goal. And my initial goal wasn't even to mostly do shorts. It was just like I'm shorts are a shortcut to get a channel monetized because yeah. they really inflate your views and your audience and the your hours watched. Like they they help you hit all of those metrics very quickly. Um and then I had like three or four videos do very well on YouTube and just sort of decide, well, maybe I just lean into this and this mm. is what I lean into now. And I made a pretty dramatic shift, maybe at this point, oh man, almost a year ago, maybe a little bit less, um, to really just like focus on YouTube. And I basically stopped putting stuff on other platforms. Now I'm starting to put stuff on other platforms again now, but um, I was following the money initially is what it was. Mm. It was like YouTube was the first thing to get monetized. It was like, okay, let's fucking go. Let's dive in. Um but I think that I think that it it was it was definitely an uphill battle. That being said, I think I had like I hit the I hit the uh, my stride at a t at a moment where YouTube was really pushing shorts also. Mm. So I think there was like an algorithm lineup that was very helpful for me um, because I, I've seen that. And this is I think I've seen this a lot of a lot of creators where it's like they sort of rocketed up very quickly and then sort of petered. And I'm sort of, I think, in a peter at the moment as well. Um, and uh and I think a lot of it just has to do with there was a while where YouTube was like, this is how we're going to defeat TikTok. So they were really doing everything they could to encourage people to be putting out uh, shorts. And there's nothing more encouraging to make a short than to get a bunch of views. It, it, it makes you go like, oh, I could do this more. You know, as soon as you get a bunch yeah. of views once, you're going to try to do it again. Um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, but it was. I mean, listen. Listen. I think I've had more success a little bit more quickly than than certainly some other creators. But I also think that, you know. I don't think I'm doing anything particularly that special. I think if anything, the only thing that I'm doing that is special is that I'm very uh, sort of what we were talking about earlier. I'm very aware of where my strengths are and where my weaknesses are. And I'm very mm -hmm. consistent in the way that I present. So like if you are trying to make yourself stand out, the question that you have to ask yourself immediately is very honestly, what makes you different than the thousands of other people that are doing the same thing? And the truth is probably not that much, right? Like mm -hmm. nobody, we're, listen, we all want to be special people, but are any of us really that special? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So then you're like, okay, so like, what can I do to overcome the fact that like there, are, I, I'm one of hundreds or thousands of people that are trying to do this? Well, let's think about what I'm good at and let's think about the people that do well and what I'm the people that do well are either like very attractive or have really, really sharp, quick editing um, or are connected to some other people in the industry. And it's like, okay, I don't know how much I could do any of that. I think I could do the quick editing though. And I also feel like if you, if you watch any somewhat successful creator, 
you can always tell you're watching one of their videos almost immediately when it starts. Like you don't need mm. to figure out who it is. You get like they have a, a sound, a feeling, a vibe. So like so one of the things I started to doing is I just decided I'm only going to use classical music as background music 99% of the time. And I'm not even going to use that much different. I'm going to pick like four or five classical songs that kind of can fit different vibes. And that's what I'm going to do. And it's like, okay, so there's like an, you know, that's another element of like, okay, it, it makes it feel like it's my thing. It makes my thing sort of stand out. Um, and then also like just, you know, putting sort of putting like any amount of like social public embarrassment aside, like you're making a TikTok or you're making a YouTube short, like people want to see, they want to see you make a goofy face and talk in a funny voice. Like, like, you know, there's, it's like, it's stupid. Cause it's like very gimmicky stuff, but it is a lot of that gimmicky stuff that I think makes the difference between, you know, 30 people watching your video and, you know, 30,000 people watching your video. Yeah. There's a lot of creators that I see, and I don't see it as much on YouTube. I see it a lot more on TikTok. Um, there's a lot of creators that really want to be content creators or they really want to be doing something in that bubble and they don't accept that no one there's like a baseline of like no one cares that you have to mm -hmm. accept and then you mm -hmm. have to you have to battle that and if you go into any sort of content creation under the assumption that anyone cares like you're mm -hmm. gonna fail and mm -hmm. like you have to sell yourself so quickly and so aggressively and it, that like how many how many how many TikToks have you scrolled through where it's somebody sitting in a room and they're like, "Hey guys, here's a cool D and D idea," and they just sort of start talking, and maybe the audio is good, maybe it's not, but it's really they're just talking. The lighting isn't sort of whatever, and they just look like random dude in room, which we all end up being inevitably. Mm -hmm. Um, like you know that maybe you watch it if it's one that pops off, but you're not gonna remember who that person is, and like you're mm -hmm. probably not gonna watch that much of their video, especially if they like take a while to get to the point or if they're sort of just like being too casual. Like if you have to earn any, any amount of work you don't want to do, you really have to earn that or you have to do what I do, which is where you lean hard into the easy stuff, but you make it seem really intentional. So, yeah. <laughs> so it looks like it's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, for anyone listening, a lot of that is really, really great advice. It's it's stuff that I'm will, listening. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you are. Shit, have you been taking notes? Uh, uh, but no, I think uh, I, I think you know for anyone out there who's looking to to do that and to progress in that kind of area, it's it's super important advice. And I think you know what's interesting is it feels like there's almost like a gatekeepy thing in the community in a weird way about you know how to you know what what's the methodology what's the behind the scenes kind of thing of everything it feels like a lot of larger creators are like well we're not going to tell you like work it out for yourself kind of thing and instead of being you know open and, and helping people kind of grow in those ways and, and teaching other people how to do it obviously by doing that you're creating competition for yourself but it's you know it, it's it's a space of you know there is no guidebook there is no you know and especially now that shorts and reels are a thing like for for years, there was like a methodology to YouTube when that stuff didn't exist. That changed very drastically when all of that was brought into, you know, the, the public eye. And, you know, pr probably earlier when vines were around, like shit, when people were doing vines, you know, sh what, God, I, I don't even want to guess that it's like 10 years ago or something <laughs> crazy. Um, but, you know, like it's it's been around for a while where this shorter form content has now been changing the scape and changing the way you, you go about and, and do stuff. And I think you're right. And in a weird way with the, the whole YouTube and like the, the knowing that you've just got to be 
not extravagant or ridiculous, but you've got to be, you know, something that is, whether you're embarrassed about it or not, the more reserved you are, the more people are not going to relate to it because everyone relates to the weird kooky stuff that's inside. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're, yeah. we're, all, we're all that person deep down inside, irregardless of whether you're a jock or a D and D nerd or an engineer or, you know, a, a scientist or whatever, everyone's got a little bit of weird and wonderful in them. So if you're watching stuff <laughs> yeah. that's within a hobby, and you get some of that weird and wonderful or some of that vulnerable. Like I know um, I, I watched a guy the other day who was just like, he was just a, a guy who's like, hey, I suffer with depression and I'm here to tell you today, like you're doing a great job. Like I hope you're feeling all right out there. You know, like another day we made it guys. So another day celebrating here with the sunset. I was just like, there's something so real about him doing this, but also at the same time, I was like, he's making these every day. So you know, to, 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 to what degree is it real? But, but also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciating the message and, and the vulnerability in the yeah. moment and all that kind of stuff. So it, it is, you have to just get rid of the, the, in a weird way, insecurities, you have to just kind of go for it. And, you have to and, find your own thing too. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then commit to your own thing. And like, yeah. The commitment, yeah, I, I think, is the big part for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Well, also, I, I noticed, and we'll, we'll wrap up here in a second, but I, I noticed, um, you know, you're not afraid to to lean into controversial topics as well. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's there's potentially a strategy to that. You know, you, you listen to some people that are creators and they're very strategic with the type of thumbnail they use, the type of font they use, and the size of the font, and the color of the font, and the and the the description and the title and all this other stuff. But I, I mean, you're, you're more than happy to lean into some stuff that may not be popular for your entire audience. And um, so what, what has like, how have you navigated that space of like, um, I'm going to tackle some shit that uh, needs to be talked about right now. Um, you know, I don't know how much I think about it in the moment. I will say that sometimes I'll make a video and then post it and then immediately delete it afterwards if I'm like a little bit too much in a couple directions. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that uh, that whether it's a like if I'm talking about something that like I care about, that's like a, I, for, I don't really talk about things that I personally care about that much. I talk about things that I more ideologically care about. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think that uh, even with that, um, I don't know. It's weird because I'm not used to being a content creator. And every now and then I'm like reminded of the fact that I have influence. And when I am, it it feels like sometimes you need to do something with that other than just like tell silly jokes. But even then, I don't know. That feels very pompous. Like, who cares? Right. Like, I'm just some fucking guy. But um, but there is an element of like, uh, like, you know, sometimes you see somebody say something so stupid or yeah. so like so ignorant or hateful that you're like, I need to use this as like a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I feel like it's a situation where I have the tools to do that, I will do that. I'll also say though, that whenever you, one does that, they bring a bunch of vitriol. So like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend doing that unless you are really okay with, uh, you know, some, some monsters coming out of the woodwork to give you a hard time or for people to just like shit on your opinion, which I guess people yeah. are always doing in D and D stuff anyway. That's <laughs> true. It's, it's very good. All right. Let's do, let's do the uh, shit on your opinion part of the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, 
what's your what's your take right now? What one take, whether it's around playing the game, around the community, around Watsi, around you know other streams, something that you feel is like been on your mind, something that it's like whether it's controversial or not, or something you hot want to celebrate. Take, yeah, yeah, like a hot take. What like currently right now that you've been uh, thinking about that you'd like to share? Um. I don't know if this is like a current thing, but it is something I think about a lot. I don't think that uh, there's a big, a lot of people say that, that like martial characters uh, get real out, really outclassed by spellcasters at a certain point. And I just disagree with that. I don't think that's true. I think, I think, I think insert when, whenever you're facing that situation of being like martial characters aren't as good as spellcasters, you're dealing with usually a dungeon master that is not giving enough challenges or is, uh, giving the players too much space to do what they want, as opposed to as opposed to uh, building something that has like uh, more of a struggle to it. Uh, that's probably the the hottest take that I have. But uh, <laughs> Dude, that's um, hot. That's real hot. I don't know. I I'm think gonna put uh, down here I'm second. excited for one D and D. I don't know if that's a hot take. Um, I haven't oh. read a lot of it yet, but like the bits of rule changes that I've read that I have looked at, I think are really fun and interesting and. You know, I started playing D and D in fourth edition, but I knew so little of the rules that when we switched to fifth edition, I didn't really know that we switched edition. Like I didn't own the books yet, so mm. I was just like, "Oh, I guess I have didn't understand the rules that well." The, those other couple sessions we played. Um, so this is the first time that I feel like I have like an understanding of the rules, and I am watching new rules being uh, looked at and implemented. And so maybe there's like a level of like excitement there because I've just never experienced that before. But a lot of the things that they're changing, I think, look pretty cool. And I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. I'd, I'd try that. Like, I like yeah. a lot of it quite a bit. That's, that's probably my that's, hottest take. I don't know. Is that a hot take to like 1D&D? &D? I, I, I mean, probably these days, after everything that went down with Watsi over over this year, I, I, I could imagine that would be, you know, a, a an, an, an interesting one within the to community. Public, to publicly state it, I think it is, because it's yeah. not popular to be, you know, to be like, yeah, they're actually doing this right. You know, mm -hmm. people are just like, you know, these days it's just like, Burn everything but yeah burn everything about them and not pick and choose like yeah they do suck at this but you know what let's give them credit for this they did this right they're doing this okay mm -hmm. they're trying on this they're improving on this so i do you know what, as well i, I want to just talk about the martial spellcaster thing because uh, i i very much agree with you i feel like as a, as someone who is now currently and i feel like every time i play i'm like bodhi don't don't just don't just play the guy that swings the sword again. Don't don't do it. Be be something different, you know, kind of thing. And but for me, when I play a spellcaster, I feel like I'm like, and I cast my Eldritch Blast. And because I've described what that looks like in an earlier session, I doubt that my spell would have changed its look in the way that I cast it would have changed very differently between, you know, like a couple of levels. Do you know what I mean? I don't feel like that would alter it. Now, don't get me wrong, like upcasting and things like that might alter things like that. But to me, it feels like you end up being like, and my character takes the same white stance that he has done 30,000 times before <laughs> this. And he's going to wave his hand in front of him as smoke follows it. And then he's going to sha -sha -sha -sha, like, you know, and, and so I feel like that gets really boring where I personally feel like I can punch you 
a million different ways. Like, mm. I really feel like I could punch you a million different ways that you, and every time I can punch you in a way that you've never heard me punch you in that way before, because there's a thousand different angles, a thousand different things I can jump off, a thousand different things that I can distract you with before I punch you. Like, there's a million different angles that I can go with that. Same with like swinging a sword or doing any sort of like martial attack. I just mm. feel like there's so much room, and especially because spells are dictated by a description and what they say and what they do with martial attacks especially unarmed attacks which are just complete there's not a fucking thing written <laughs> about them anywhere but you know i i feel like even with swords and things like that it just says do your hit do your damage it's like well cool i'm gonna hit you in this way and when i do it i'm gonna fucking slice your like left hand off because i did <laughs> enough damage to you know kind of thing and so I, I definitely feel like I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I like spellcasters are cool and they often come in clutch is what I would say. Without spellcasters, I feel like martial characters wouldn't have the the hit points, the uh the 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 you know last minute counter spells that save them, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if I'm gonna describe something and I'm gonna play a character to like maximum ability, get me doing martial stuff because it will be so much better than me so describing the same fucking boring ass <laughs> spell casting routine every time I cast. Mm. And like you said, I've had the same fucking cantrips from level one all the way through <laughs> to fucking level 10. So of course I'm just going to be doing the same spells a thousand times, you know? Well, also, I don't know, like, for like, so with martial characters, you're either going to have a very high strength or a very high dex. And those using attacks aside attacks are great but even attacks aside coming up with clever ways to use your dexterity or to use yeah. your strength to change a fight yeah. is so satisfying and like you know if you're, you're level having 20 in strength you basically have a minor version of the telekinesis spell on all the time if you can get your hands on something like yeah. you're you know you know like 20 strength is like you are you're winning the olympics pretty casually and it becomes a situation where you don't have that many tools, but you can use your tools in so many circumstances where like wherever you go, any room you enter, it's like a different challenge. Cause like, what's in here? What can I do in here? Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question. You guys are, oh, you're, you're MMA nope, people. Nope, we're not gonna answer any questions. Oh, dang it. <laughs> so, sorry, dude. That's oh. not what this is about. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. So, so I, I look at homebrew a lot. People send me homebrew a lot to, to read. And you guys talked about you, you like watching UFC, you're MMA guys. So, you, so I'm, sounds, I'm assuming you know some a little bit about martial arts. I know very little about martial arts. Mm. Um, I regularly get people sending me homebrew to try to make unarmed combat specifically or grappling specifically more complex more interesting work better in dnd my question for you guys is as folks that probably have a little bit more knowledge about it certainly than i do do you think that that's something people should be doing have you thought about doing that do you think it's irrelevant do you think it matters like is that a thing you care about do you think about uh funny you should ask <laughs> yeah it's it, do, do you know what? hilariously also it, to, to anyone listening or watching that will sound like it, based on our response it's going to sound like that was totally planned um <laughs> it was not um the, the 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 answer is we in our games if you listen to any of our actual plays or anything like that i am a very descriptive violent dungeon master when it comes to combat 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't shy away from gore. I don't shy away from, you know, bones breaking, like, you know, all, all, all that kind of stuff. And I really go into to a lot of depth because that's what real combat is and that's what martial arts is. And so um, two things. So one, we have created two super basic supplements. They're actually just like images that you can uh, download off of our website at the moment. Um, and they're called our Unarmed Combat Evolved Supplements. Now, mm. these are, they just modify Unarmed Combat ever so slightly to give you a threshold range to get m- more awesome abilities from doing certain um, unarmed strikes. Now, we've also, for, for people like yourself who, who say that they don't know much about martial arts, we've given you a list of options of things that you can do. And we have un, un, Unarmed Combat Evolved 1, which is a bit more basic. It's like, you know, palm strike to the face, jabbing punch, uh, you know, like knee to the body, you know, leg kick, you know, things, things that are more what we would consider standardized uh, forms of attacks that one could do as an unarmed striker. But we also then have Unarmed combat evolved two which is like we have the vulcan death pinch you know we have we have a groin we have a you know a groin kick we have a disrespect slap you know we have like you know all these different things did you see he did that back and uh you know we had all these you know fun ideas and and, and kind of created this super easy supplement for people who don't really get it to to, to use Further than that, we have behind the scenes, and we will release it at some point. It's something that we're like building to as we have a bunch of other projects that we want to complete first. But we have written about 90% of a mixed martial arts class for Dungeons mm. & Dragons that cool. involves... It's, currently, we haven't worked out the grappling subclasses yet because grappling becomes hard to keep it authentic based on how dnd's rules work well that's the thing it's like so how do you do submission against a monster like like or like even if you can make it work mechanically it kind of it breaks the action like it sort of breaks the game a little bit because that's the whole point like the whole point of that is like you can just end things and it's like is that is that what you want the game to i don't know that that, that's something i was was thinking about a lot because because submission is one of those things where it's like it's just a different game like it's almost becomes like you have to decide it's a different like a mini game or something on top of the main game so what i would say is so we we are we are going to at some point work out a system that is true to the form of jujitsu and wrestling and sambo and those very you know very grappling heavy styles of of martial arts and we will create something that will suit that for sure because it's something that we are super super passionate about um what currently i do in game and i think is a good alternative for people um is first of all by the way our unarmed combat evolved some of the things are like um you know like uh what we what is known as an oblique kick but we named a knee stomp just to, mm-hmm. for, for people so they can understand, which is essentially like a sidekick to the outside of someone's knee to hyperextend their knee inwards. Um, that, you know, ability in of itself requires something to have a knee. So we've written, you know, must have <laughs> knee. You know, you yeah. can't knee stomp a beholder. There's no knees to stomp. Yeah, so yeah. instantly, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you can't grapple a gelatinous cube. Do you know what I mean? And you can't, so 
to me, you've got to keep, you've got to take into consideration and and as as a GM weigh that up in in those moments as well because you can do unorthodox grappling of like slams on a beholder. You know, you could lift one up and suplex it. You know what I mean? And use some like some things. But to me, what we do currently without a system that we've created and Tom uh, Tom grapples here and there. Um, I've we we one of our characters is a two a two-time world champion uh, in in our pit fighting scene across our our world, and he uh, he he was in a fight where a lot of grappling happened. My fighter, the guy that I, the NPC that I was playing, was a grappling heavy fighter, and so what we did was you know you get into a grapple and then you just make contested checks um, to advance position into a submission. Now usually I would mm-hmm. say. From getting someone on the ground, you need probably one to two advancements before you get to a submission. So no ground position is going to instantly offer you a submission. Realistically, you're going to have to go from in someone's guard to side control, from half guard, you know, to mount, you know, whatever whatever kind of transitionary stuff you, you want to do. And because we're well versed in that, it's easy for us to describe those positions and be like, okay, so... You end up with his legs wrapped around your waist and you have the ability to like sit back, throw punches or, you know, try and break the legs, get past the legs basically, and then get on top of them in a more controlling position, you know, that kind of stuff. Then when you get to submissions, I allow this contested check again that typically I go with strength or dex versus strength or con. And it's essentially... Are you going to try and withstand your bone breaking with your body's strength, or are you going to try and like forcefully fight against it, basically? Mm. So things like arm bars, uh, kimuras, knee bars, ankle locks, um, you know, anything that isn't a choke, basically, you can run these submissions of cool. You break the person's arm, and as a GM, just now that character is now has a disabled limb. So if they were a two-weapon fighter, they now can't use two weapons. They're using one weapon. If they were a spellcaster, they maybe can't do all the somatic components that they need to because they they don't have an arm that can lift and 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 do that and 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 do that kind of thing. So you basically just start breaking a person down through these different submissions and it doesn't end the fight because once you snap someone's arm that person then the moment your arm snap you can pull that out basically the moment your arm is broken it's like okay cool now just roll over with a broken arm and start hitting them from the top you know kind of thing so it doesn't stop that what does begin to stop that is when you go to chokes now chokes i usually say take about two to three rounds of choking a character based on the suffocation rules that are in D&D and things like that. So contested checks across a couple of rounds of, you know, you've got them in a rear naked choke and you're squeezing down and it's like, and, and you make it this back and forth, you know, they're trying to fight the hands, you know, they're gargling and, you know, trying to fight back. Same with like a guillotine or, you know, anything like that. So I would say that's kind of how I go about it currently. And it works pretty well when we do it in game. But I feel like to it's not as genuine as I would like it to be. It's not as like refined as it possibly could be. Um, but the class that we have made um, is a beautiful class for striking. We've got like a kung fu subclass that has uh, like a barbarian um, has multi. You know, um, what's it called? The the totem barbarian has multiple choices within that. So you can choose different you know crane style, tiger style. You know at different levels. We have a muay thai class. That is, you know, very defensive using shins and elbows and uh, and things like that. And we have a boxer as well so that you're, you know, coming in and, you know, doing the old bob and weave kind of situation. 
And um, it was a great bit of fun to make. We, we need to finish it off and refine it. But yeah, dude, I feel like that's such an underrated, like, how are you going to be a monk and you're not going to give monks suggestions for, for like anything? You're just going to be like, you're a monk, hit things. And, it, and, and then people resort to, well, I hit him three times and I, I use my fury of blows and I, I hit him another three times. And the GM's like, amazing. You hit him three times and he falls backwards and oh golly, he's, he's, he's hurt. His nose is hurting now or something. You know, it's not like, oh, you dip under his punch, you swing a hook and clip him as you then kind of roll under his next punch, dodging that and throw a body shot, you know, and that's, that's what fighting is more like. It's art. It's strategic. It is two people at high levels trying to kill one another and that is what it should feel like in D&D but it really doesn't it's like I bop him on the head for three points of damage how did I do dungeon master did I do good uh, you know is he dead yet is he bloodied um, and yeah that that to me is is definitely something that needs to be fixed but yeah thanks for asking ne neither here nor there does how do you feel about that answer that was great I I, I feel like I, I I got some things I got to think about for some future games I'm going to run. Cause uh, I think about that a lot is like uh, specifically what you just said towards the end also, like of like, what's the difference between like punching somebody in the nose or like, you know, kicking them or any of that. It's like mathematically in terms of the rules, nothing like yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And so you can, you can kind of go in a couple of different directions. That was, you know, that was very interesting to think about. I like, I like the idea of the like level of tiers of contested checks to like mm. accomplish different positions to, try to get to that like final uh takedown i think that's very cool i like that a lot yeah awesome. well, yeah dude I, I dude i hope it's something that you know if you if you pay a grappler something that you could suggest to a gm or or, or something like that but well, honestly dude, we'll, we'll send you our on our combat yeah as well. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get that over to you as well so you cool. can you can check, check it out, out yeah. for sure but yeah dude i i fully agree with you and you know uh i appreciate you asking that as well as martial arts people it's not often i get to I get to really dive in other than when we play D&D and I'm like ah and he he punches you in the throat and now you can't do any of your spells no verbal components for you motherfucker you know like <laughs> shut up <laughs> you got two rounds of silence <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the Venn diagram of martial arts and D&D uh, &D, it's the, the 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 part that overlaps is you know really really tiny but we had a funny story we had uh we were lucky enough to have B. Dave Walters on the podcast, and um, we kind of knew he he had an interest in martial arts. Mm -hmm. Dude, that that podcast was eighty percent martial, martial arts, arts yeah. and like couple, and it was during it was like during the Watsi like controversy as well. So there's a lot to talk about with regard to D and D. We didn't get to m much of any of it. We were just <laughs> literally just basking in each other's love of martial arts which is pretty cool yeah it's a yeah it's a nice space to be in but dude the, like first of all one thank you for that that hot take you you unlocked some good conversation there and I, <laughs> I appreciate that thought process as well and agree with you um massively but um what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna round it out here dude we, we appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk to us honestly this has been such an amazing conversation and you're an awesome creator who is you know, out here for the right reasons, having a great time and creating amazing stuff for people out there as well as supporting an awesome community. So thank you for helping us with our Kickstarter. We really appreciate you massively do, yeah. for that. And uh, and we'll circle back to you when we do our next one for sure. <laughs> yeah, please do, please do. And, and uh, no, otherwise just dude, thank you so, so much. And uh, like I said, this has been a freaking pleasure. You know, we, we it, it's very, very, 
uh, funny for us. We we seem to always go, oh man, when are we gonna get that guest that's gonna be we're we're not gonna like vibe with? It's not gonna be great. But uh, again, dude, from the bottom of our heart, you know, cameras roaring and all. Thank thank you for this. This yeah. has been a really lovely conversation. Of course, yeah. No, you guys been have been you guys are great. You guys have been great. This has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks, dude. I, I appreciate that. Now, uh, final thing I wanted to hand over to you before we round this out is uh, let people know where they can find you on social medias. I know you've mentioned some bits. What's your like at? And do you have any projects coming up or anything that you, you know, that you're working on that you want people to specifically go check out? Uh, sure. Yeah. I'm Cinderblock Sally on all the stuff that matters on uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. I think my Twitter is something else, but I don't remember what, whatever. If you look up Cinderblock Sally, you'll probably find it. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be at PAX Unplugged coming up in Philly Ooh. in December. Oh, yeah. So if anybody's going to be at PAX, uh, feel free to come say hi. Um, and I just put I just put out a new video. I don't know when you guys, your podcast will come out, but uh, I'm trying a new, a, a new thing because I've been doing a lot of talking head videos and I'm like, I want to do something that feels more creative. So I made uh, basically an eight minute, sort of an eight minute butt joke basically um <laughs> where uh there's like a just it's like a bunch of little vignettes from moments in fantasy world D D worlds that like maybe wouldn't be on the camera or maybe are happening just after or before the adventure with uh stupid characters and a lot of butt jokes that's and uh we'll, we'll, we'll really see how dude. it goes but uh if, if we want to check that out that's out there now i think it's called it's called an end to everything in rpgs uh, that's a new amazing. video out there Amazing. We love that. Absolutely awesome. Well, we've been homie and the dude, the father and son, TTRPG and MMA team. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this, check out some of our other podcasts, subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that good stuff. Um, but for those of you who want to know more about Sky Zephyrs, the thing that we've been talking about, we just released a Kickstarter um, and you can go and pre-order uh, the V2 hardcover and V2 PDF right now uh, through our website. Um, it is a vehicle combat system for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition um, that is uh, nice, refined, but complex and gives you the ability to modularize exactly to fit your world uh, and, and suit your style of game. Um, we're currently in the public playtesting uh, phase of it at the moment, which has been, which is very fun. Looking forward to writing V2, and we look forward to getting that out to you guys um, as soon as it's ready, probably towards the end of November time. But thank you guys so much for watching. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. See you then. Thanks, Bye. guys. <laughs>